Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Oh, come on, somebody. Yes. How you doing? Whew, it's good to be here in Texas. Yes, I absolutely love this state, love this city. I love uh, raising canes. Hallelujah. Waterburger, the taquerias. Come on, somebody. Y'all do food right here in Texas. Yes. Well, uh, man, Pastor Ryan and Melissa, thank y'all wherever y'all went. Thank y'all so much for uh, having me here. Um, I was, this is one of my absolute favorite places to minister and to share. And I love the family and the community that my wife uh, and I have been able to build in this region. We, when we, moved, we used to live here in Texas for a very short stint before we moved back, in the, moved back to Florida. And uh, it was a season in our lives where we desperately needed community. We desperately needed family. We desperately needed friends. Have you ever felt like in your life that that people that many people took more than they gave you ever felt empty you ever felt like your car was on e and you're driving on fumes you know what i'm saying or you, you, some of y'all know what that's like right now you drove your car up here and you've been and it's running going glory to god and praise you jesus you're right just god, give me another mile lord just get me home jesus just get me home and, uh, and so we're a season of life where we desperately need community and fam- family and friends. We're able to gain that through, uh, through Pastor Matt and his wife, Pastor John Ryan, and, um, and Pastor Melissa and just many others. And so uh, this region, this family's community is very special to us. And so um, my wife sends you her love. Uh, she is back home for our son, Hezekiah, uh, which is the most cutest Blacksican baby ever seen in your entire world. Uh, if you don't believe me, I'll show you a picture at the product table, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, uh, you're, you're mind will be made up and uh so i'm black my wife is mexican you get blacksican that's what happens right and uh and so uh two and a half years old he's 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 just incredible my wife has been sick for the past three months and in and out the hospital in and out the emergency rooms and uh so those of you who knew i appreciate your intercession appreciate your prayers and uh but she have had she have had the best week this past week that she've had in quite a long time so thank you all so much for your prayers. But again, we, uh, we just need, we just need a, a divine turnaround in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So she sends you her love. Well, family, um, I'm going to get this commercial over. We're going to get right into this word. And I do believe I have a word from God for you this morning. Uh, you got you to gotta do yourself a favor and just be real, though. Just be real. Take off the two blessed to be stressed foundation. Take off from going to church. Let me look like heaven, but really, but actually, I'm going through hell mascara. Take out. I know how to hide. Get my praise dance. Weave off. Go ahead and take it off. Don't try to hide the blemishes. Just walk the reality of who you are. All of us are walking through difficulties. Some of us are walking through things publicly. Others are walking things privately. Some we, we, we thank God for the high times, but some of us may be walking through some low times. And I believe that it's a word that's going to help thrust you past from the place of that you've been having a pity party. You've been you've been stuck in your and in, in your woe is me mindset. But I believe there's going to be a shift that God is going to do in your life. It's going to bring you above what you used to be sinking under in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, and so um, I uh, this past this past year I wrote a book. It came out, and um, and let me give you the background before before I share it with you in the back. Uh, is that 
Um, I travel, my wife and I would travel full-time as evangelists, and we also have the opportunity to serve full-time as a young adult pastors at our church. So uh, during the week, we have service every Thursday and every weekend. I'm, pre- I'm gone um, and uh, traveling. And, um, and I was youth pastoring for a while, and, uh, and I realized something, family, uh, even though I experienced this when I was young, but family, there's, some, there's an attack against families. There is an, an attack against families. Like, and I was, as I was traveling, I was preaching, I've, I received so many suicide letters um, from young people who's going to take their own lives. People who came to camps, came to conventions, came to conferences and made up in their mind. They said, God, if you don't show me that you're real, I'm going to take my life. I'm tired of all of this. It's saying questions like, God, if you love me so much, why is this happening? Writing letters on writing sentences in their letters saying, if, if my mom and dad love me, then why don't they talk to me? If I try to present my problems to them, but they tell me to get over it. You don't got real problems because you don't got bills. And so you may think sentences and words like this have been have been written from people who come from broken homes. But oftentimes it wasn't from families who didn't have moms and dads present. Sometimes it was families who didn't have moms and dads available. So I realized, family, that, that we even though I knew this, but I, God, I can't sit down a moment longer and not do something or say something. And, and so I decided to write a book called Crowns Are Greater Than Trophies. And, and, and because it's about three generation of families who all who all started well, but ended ended horribly. Three generations, three generations of men who could have stopped the cycle of behavior that was robbing their families, but because of their silence or because of their pride, welcomed the same pattern that was robbing them. Right now, if you will take, if you will go back to the Rolodex, the hard drive, the stories of your life, if you will go back to the history of your family, you can literally immediately assess there were things that your great great grandmama went through, that your grandmama went through that your mama went through, that you're going through, and if you don't answer it, it will knock at your daughter's door. There's mindsets, behaviors, there's way families deal with, with problems and deal with circumstances where they, they, how they handle an the issue, they sweep it under the rug, thinking that with time it'll go away, but it doesn't go away with time, it goes away with attention. And so we are in church, we're bucking and shouting, we're praising God, but we're, but we're giving the enemy our families, we're giving the enemy our homes. And so the last chapter of my book is called Resurrect to the Altar of the Dinner Table, where I'm calling families once again to create an establishment of communication and community within your home so we can uproot the enemy and life can start to happen. All it would have taken was one person in the lineage of these kings to say enough is enough. Uh, 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 divorce stops with me. Now, uh, suicide stops with me. Depression stops with me. I'm not acting like it's not there anymore. I'm confronting it. I'm not acting like it's in my past. I'm confronting it. I'm, you can be saved and still have a therapist. You can be saved and still find counseling family. And so I believe in that thing. God is already using this book. It is super humbling to see so many families restored. Even uh, last Three days ago, I was in the office, got a telephone call about a woman in her 50s talking about she wanted to kill herself because of how hard her life has been. She prayed. She literally said that she said, I prayed that God, I prayed, God, will you take my life? Will you kill me? Because she knew that she took her life, then she she wouldn't see Jesus in eternity. And when God didn't do it, she got upset. Family, there's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of hurt in this world. I'm believing, family, that man, that God is 
using this book and God is going to use you to bring restoration and healing. And so we have a product table in the back. My commercial is over. Um, the books are $15. Um, if you if you have shirts as well, three of anything is 40 and it's going to really truly going to help us out uh, to continue to travel, especially with my wife being sick. I had to step down from the travel life for a little bit and you're going to help us to get to where we need to get to. So in the back, um, we only have a box of books, though, because we mailed Four of them, Pastor John Ryan can allude to. Supposed to be here Wednesday, but the UBS, USPS is whatever reason taking their sweet time. And so watch is going to come tomorrow. So if we run out, I would love to still, if you can still purchase a book, we'll just keep a list and it'll be back for you next time you meet and whatnot. You can pick it up. Cool. My commercial's over. We ready? Awesome. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. I can barely pronounce that word, but. Deuteronomy 32, that's the last time I'm going to try to say that, uh, starting up verse 10. Whew, I'm excited. I'm excited. Go ahead. Loosen your tie. All right. Loosen the braid. You ever, I, got, I had cornrows back in the day as you turn in there. I know. I had cornrows and you get my hair braided. I don't know why. When you get this side of your hair braided, oh, how it pulls up a tear. Anybody that happened to you? Maybe that's just black mamas. I don't know why they love to braid your hair so stinking tight. I'm like, you black or Asian right now? I don't know, because you just straight up just tighten this side part really hard. But anywho, but you there, Deuteronomy 32? Awesome. This is an obscure passage of scripture that many of you maybe have overlooked, but when I read this, it rocked me so much. As we take a moment to go deeper into the word, I realize that, fam, that many of us have been in this situation. I got to be honest with you. Growing up in church, I hated it. I hated church. I should probably turn my cell phone off. I, I hated church. I couldn't stand it. I went to church at 9 o'clock, didn't get out to 1.15. Mm-hmm. I went to church where there was a stained glass picture of black Jesus with a Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King family. We didn't have any AC. We were just waving ourselves. And I hated church. People were bucking. People were shouting. And I hated it. I thought it was pointless. I thought it was worthless. It didn't make any sense to me. And one of the reasons, primary reasons why I hated church, because I thought they were lying. People were saying God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Dios es bueno. Todo tiempo. Todo tiempo. Dios is brand new. And I'm like, what in the world are you saying? How can you sit there and lie like that? How in the world are you saying God is good when my life feels so bad? How can you quote scriptures like Jeremiah 29 11 that saw he, so he has a plans for me to prosper and not to harm me? How can you say verses like that when the reality of my life does not look anything like you're confessing? The reality of my life doesn't look anything like you're prophesying. The reality of my life doesn't look anything like you're speaking. You must be a liar. I'm like, my man, we, were, we grew up in crazy poverty. I didn't have light oftentimes. We didn't have running water oftentimes. We didn't have food oftentimes. I, I, I grew up wondering literally how I'm going to eat. I grew up with, my, with pain, dysfunction, and violence, and death, and, and rape, my families, and all this other stuff that was going on. So I'm scratching my head, hearing what these people are saying about on Sunday, looking at the reality of my life, saying, hey, someone is lying. So I understand maybe maybe some of you have never had this thought. Or maybe your life looks perfect. But maybe the person beside you, this may have crossed their mind before. God, if you're so good, 
Now, why is my life so bad? So this, I want to let you know that this is not a dichotomy. This is not a contradiction. Uh, God, God didn't lie when he said his plans not to harm us, but to prosper us. Plans to give you hope in the future. That's the reality of it. But I'm going to break up this verse to you and show you how the Lord, he, 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 he's not the author of your pain, but he will publish it. He's not the author of your misery, but he will use it. He's not the author of your toxic choices that now you are walking through the consequences of, but he'll turn it around for his glory. The great thing about a GPS, even if you make the wrong turn, it's so good to recalculate your route. It may take you longer. You may go through constructions. You may, it may, you may waste more gas, but you eventually get to where you were destined to get to. It may take longer. It may take more energy, but God, I believe, can calculate your route. Maybe some of you assess the situations and man, that's me. But here in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter chapter 32, starting at verse 10, it's a it's a passage of scripture where where it, it, it takes an abrupt shift. Verse 10, it says in a desert land, he found him and a barren and a hollowing waste. He shielded him and carried and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. Let me break it down for you. Let's start at verse 10. Do you remember what, is, do you remember what it was like the first time God, you realized that God redeemed you? Do you remember that feeling where you're like, "Woo, you want me? Do you know what I've done? Do you know who I am? The, def- the, de- the, the definition of trifling, that's me. The definition of, 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 of a mistake, that's me. I, I feel like I make every mistake. I feel like with the things I don't want to do, the things I do. Things I do want to do, I don't. I, I, I'm flawed. I have scars. I have wounds. I have regrets. I have a past. I, I have some issues, but you still want me. Oh, do you remember what it was like when God pulled you out of the miry clay? Do you remember what it was like when God pulled you out of depression and suicidal thoughts? Do you remember what it was like when God pulled you out of reality where you thought there was no hope, but then you met hope? Do you remember the reality where you thought you were sick in your, in your, in, in, in your mistakes, but God, the healer, stepped in? I remember December 1st, 2001. Pain and anger was in my heart, but the Lord stepped in. Verse 10, you can read about the hand of God as he, in a desert land, he found him. Isaiah 58, verse 11 says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Who is so good. In a desert land, he found, found him. In your, in, your, in, your, in your most driest places, your most lost place, all you have to do is call upon his name, and he's there. In a barren, in a, in a howling waste. The Bible says, you God, you God, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I, I, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. And I remember these are the moments that, that in, our, in our darkest times, in our loneliest times, in our most broken times, that when we call upon the name of the Lord, 
he's present. He reveals. We can, we can, then when you first get saved or maybe, maybe things are going good, you feel like every time you pray, like, he's right here. Walk into a room, you walk into your bedroom, you said, Buenos dias, Espiritu Santo. You, you, you just, you're like, ah. You're right here, goosebumps everywhere, pit, 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 walking on cloud nine. We, for, and then, and then, and then, it's, then so for whatever reason, there's a shift that happens in the maturity of relationship. We feel like the very first time you pray and the goosebumps not there. The very first time you pray and the sensation isn't there. And so most people will, will assess their life, say, God, where are you? Because, because they have connected the, the relationship with the Lord, the depth of the relationship with, with, the, with the sensation of God's presence. They have, they, have, they have connected if God is present to a feeling, not a knowing. And so there's a maturity that happens in every believer's life where the Lord is trying to wean you off of a sensation to know even if you don't feel me, I'm still there. Even if you don't see me, I'm still there. You call upon me in your darkest times and I'm still there. He matures us out of a sensation to bring us to an understanding. So in your driest times, most broken times, you know who to call upon. Because if, if, you, if, you water, if you water down your relationship with the Lord to a feeling, then, you will, then it'll be easier to transition away when the moment the feeling is no longer there. Think about the moments of the Israelites where the Moses was up in the, up in the mountain um, um, getting the Ten Commandments. They complained about the Lord that Moses was there, was gone too long. So they thought the Lord had left them. And so then they started worshiping other idols. What happened? They were putting matters in their own hands. Mm, you got to get this. If, if, if we if we are equate our relationship with the Lord to a feeling, the moment the feeling of it's gone, we'll move over to a selfish, carnal, flesh like mindset to create our own feeling, our own God, our own blessings. So in the desert land. In the desert land, he found in a barren waste and hollowing waste. He shielded him and carried and cared for him. Psalms 91 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I say to the Lord God, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Check this, check this out. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I love that. His faithfulness. See, not, not, and it's, uh, not your faith will be your shield. Mm-mm. His faithfulness. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians says, in addition to this, lift up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. There is a battle. There's a spiritual armor that we are called to lift up. But I believe that the faith you're lifting up is not faith in your faith. The shield you are lifting up in times of battle, in the times of need, is faith in God's faithfulness. His faithfulness shall be your shield and rampart. Why is this so important? Because when you're in your when you're in a place where you don't know what to do, you can go back to the history of your mind and realize, oh no 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 no. Last time I had more bills than I had money, God stepped in. I saw Him faithful. Oh, last time we were going hungry, no, the Lord stepped in. I saw him faithful. And it's, it's, it's stepping into the understanding of faithfulness. 
So here in verse 11, you're going to see a radical shift. Verse 10, all of us can assess what all of us has, has been a part of where we saw the redemptive hand of God, the saving hand of God. He, he, he clothed us. He fed us. He, he, we, we felt his goosebumps. We felt his sensation. But verse 11 takes a radical shift. Actually, I mean, verse 10, the verse, last end of verse 10, it says he guarded him as the apple of his eye. The apple of his eye. That's the center of attention. That's like all I think about is you. It's like a less like a pickup line. That's a love song. Girl, mm. you're the apple of my eye. Yeah, it's, that's, that's like a pickup line. You're right? it, it, it's like you're the center of my attention. All the world could be passing away, but mm. you know what I'm saying? And so it's, 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 you, are, you are the center of God's attention. You understand that? The Bible said the lies of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He sees you. You're like, God, where are you? Like, hey, I see you. You're the apple of his eye. But verse 11 takes a radical shift. And I believe this is where some of you may be in right now. If you have questions like, God, what am I doing? God, where are you? I don't know what's going on. I feel like I feel like I would I do everything right, but you're not there. People told me to pray. I pray, but where are you? And this this is where this is where many of us we press the abort button in our walk with Jesus. Is this season right here? But it's so it's imperative for you to have the faith and the confidence to walk through this season, understanding that it's not a goosebump or a sensation, but it's a knowing. It's like an eagle that stirs up its nest. Let me break this down for you. Anybody likes nature shows? I like nature shows. And Emma, uh, what's that thing? Netflix has really good ones. And um, you got to learn something about eagles. Eagles, man, majestic, powerful creatures. But eagles, mama eagles, they knew when it was time for the child to grow up. All right? Mm-mm. There's, none of, there's, there's none of this. You stay in my basement, basement for till you're 45. They're like, mm-mm. You ain't need chitarrones con Valentina for the rest of your life. You better, you better build up out of here. I love that, by the way. Chicharrones. Oh, my gosh. Mm, 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 mm. Does that do the cart guys still come here? <laughs> what are those? What are those orange wheel things you put Valentino on? What are they called? What? You know, they're orange. You fry them and they come big and they're puffy. They look like wheels. No, that's that's the pork stuff. What's the, anyway, I'm, about, I'm about to take you all to school. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to I'll put the picture online. I'll show what I'm talking about. But it's amazing. Anyways. Anywho, but, but like eagles, so what happens that an eagle would get, they, they care for their children, but they understand the, the radical life an eagle will live. And so it's going to come a duration in this, in this, in this eagle's family's life where the, the, the little birds may think that the mom and dad is being mean, but actually the mom and dad is preparing it for life. So here, check this out. The Bible, again, the Bible says like an eagle that stirs up the nest. The eagle builds the foundation of their nest with thorns and branches. It's uncomfortable. The foundation of the eagle's nest is, is uncomfortable. It's, it's, it hurts. It, it's, it's harmful. If you, if, if, you, if you stay on it with nothing covering, it can hurt. See, we have, we, in, our, in our modern day thought of Christianity, we have equated God's relationship with the Lord if it's easy. But God never promised nothing to be easy. 
And so, and so anyway, so the, the eagle will take the thorns, will take the branches, they'll build the nest, and then all of a sudden they'll take feathers and, and hay and straw, and they'll put it over that so it'll be comfortable. Then they have the babies, and the babies will sit there uh, for a while. The eagles will come, and they'll hunt, and they'll, they'll, they'll make the food, they'll feed the bird, and just like, just like anything will do. But eventually, the eagle has this understanding, this won't last always. If all I'm doing is raising my bird to sit in a nest and eat, then I'm not raising it for life. I'm not raising it for maturity. If I got to keep chopping up your plate and warming up your mac and cheese, if I got to keep doing all this, you're not, I'm not preparing you for life. I'm preparing you to be a baby. But just as the Bible says, when I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I, put, when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. And so the eagle, when it comes in a time that the eagle knows it is time for you to grow up, the Bible says you will stir up its nest. These are the times in your life where you may see a suddenly a shift where it seems like when it rains, it pours. Because God is fathering his people. He's not the author of it, but he'll publish it. These are moments where we feel like, man, what is going on? The people who used to, used to walk through is no longer there. You're going through a problem. You call them on the phone. They're not there. You, it seems like uh, uh, you get bad reports from, the, from, the, from, the, from your job, and it's saying things are going crazy. You may think, that you, and people pray that it's the devil. But what if it's God? I bind the devil. You're not binding my house. You can have, you can't have my child. But what if he's just maturing them? What if, what, it's, 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 again, I'm not, I'm not negating the fact the enemy is very real. Don't, don't get it twisted. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But, but we have, we have, we are, we, we are becoming the same spiritual age when we first got saved and 30 years later because we are avoiding this very moment in life. We treat it like a panic button and we never mature past it. But the eagle knows if I, if they don't get out of my nest, they will die. It won't, they won't be mature for what's about to come. So the eagle came and stirred up the nest. And so what will happen is that the eagle will want, will all of a sudden, like, uh, uh, I'm tired of paying for your food. I'm, uh, it start, it'll start taking away the feathers from the nest. Dropping the feathers. Taking away the straw and the hay. Dropping the feathers and the straw and the hay. And all of a sudden, all that's left in that nest is nothing but thorns and branches. It's uncomfortable. So, and, so, and so the bird realizes, okay, if, he understands this. The bird understands this. If, it's, if, if, if life if I don't make this situation uncomfortable, then they will never want to leave. How many of you ever felt in your life, oh, I, I, got, I, I got more hands and feet and toes to raise up. You ever felt in your life that, that you overstayed your welcome? That, that you know that God told you to go, to transition, to change, to do something, but you're like, uh-uh, I ain't ready yet. And, and, but God, but because we're so hard-headed, things had to get uncomfortable in order to change. That, 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 that we had, then we made the shift and made the change. So finally, the, I'm going to wrap this up. The, the, the nest was barren. The nest was uncomfortable. People think that God cares about your comfortability. No, he cares about your maturity. Oh, if I had more time. Your maturity. 
And so, but he will use life to do it. And then he stirs the nest. And so, and hovers over his young. So what happens is, so, so he makes the nest uncomfortable, realize, okay, this is not, this, I don't do this because I hate you. I don't do this because I don't love you. No, I do this because I'm going to mature you. Because one day, the storms of life is going to happen. And if you, I, I won't be here always. You got to eat for yourself. You got to learn to eat up the ramen noodles yourself. Let's do this. And so, and so what will happen, the bird, when the eagle will realize, okay, now it's time for you to fly. It's time for you to soar. What will happen? This sounds radical. sounds crazy, but this is the way it happens. But the eagle will kick the bird out the nest. Boom. Like Debo it. Like, this is my grandma's chain. Like, get out my house. Y'all know that reference? Y'all better, y'all better pray right now. Father, you better come to the altar. <laughs> It'll, it'll, it'll drop it. They'll, they'll kick them out the nest. Or sometimes they'll pick them up very high because the eagles, remember, they put their nest extremely high in the air. They'll kick them out the nest. Like, boom. And watch. They'll watch as their baby, watch as their eagle begins to fall. And they panic like, why is there so much harm? What's going in my life? What is going on? But it's for the first time. It's walking through a season of his life where it feels like, they're in God, I'm praying, but where you're here, where are you? But sometimes we think that God is absent, but he's just silent. What the bird doesn't know, all the eagle is waiting for it to do is start flapping its wings. Because the eagle learns how to fly while falling. Oh, it learns how to fly while it's falling, when it's leaving from what was comfortable, when it's being transitioned from what it already knew, what it, what it has already known. When, when, it, when it begins to fall, it learns how to fly. And the mama's saying, will you just flap? Will you just flap? Will you just flap? Why? Because it took a season. It took a moment for the eagle to realize, for it for, to pull out the potential within it. That it wasn't destined to sit, it was destined to soar. So while it's, come on somebody, so while it's falling, it starts to flap. And then, and then so if the bird doesn't get it quite yet, the, I mean, the Bible says the eagle hovers over it. It's not, like, it's not like the mom is just chilling in the nest saying, well, you better get it or die. <laughs> no, but what happens is the eagle will hover over it. And right before it hits the ground, it will come and swoop over and catch it again. And you may think that, okay, well, that's enough for the day. No, it brings it right back up high again and drops it and watch as the eagle, little bird, all of a sudden is flapping, isn't as frantic. It isn't as crazy while it's falling, it's gaining some momentum and it's realizing something. This was in me all along. I don't have to fall anymore. I'm flying over the things I used to sink under. I'm soaring over the things that used to have me. The eagle realized it was destined to fly. If R. Kelly had a sermon today that it will be, I believe I can fly. I believe that you are intending to soar. I believe it is your mission to soar. But God is trying to mature you to realize that greater is you than you than he that is in the world. But it takes him to take you out of that place that you are comfortable to him to mature you to break you the pace he wants you to be in James says it so well it says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance perseverance must finish his work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything 
God will use life to teach you. Why? Because the eel can't live on the mountaintop. It can rest in the mountaintop, but it can't survive in the mountaintop. There's no food in the mountaintop. It goes up high so you can find a state of rest. That's why your prayer life is so important that you, that you find that godly perspective. Jesus will leave the business of ministry to spend time with his father and pray. That time is so important, but the reason why none of us are, are spiritually eating because we're not stepping and flying down to our valleys to fight and to live. The way it was sustained was visiting the valleys but resting in top. But here, so the eventually the eagle, he learns how to fly. It spreads his wings to catch them and carries them aloft. He realizes something. Oh, I love how Psalms 107 verse 35, it turned, he turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing streams. I love that last part because the eagle, he learns to fly. Learns to fly. Get the worship team to come help me, please. He learns to fly. Why is this so significant? Because the eagle understands that you can't stay here. And this is where the reality that many of us, we're in a season of our life, say, God, you're a liar. Why you said you want to harm me? It's not his intention to harm you. His intention is to mature you. Because it's time to fly. You know, eagle, one of the reasons why eagles need to learn how to fly because they need to learn how to hunt and to live, right? They're, the, the eagles, don't, they, they don't run anywhere. They're horrible runners. They're, they don't hop. They're meant to soar. I wonder if many of you reason why you're so frustrated right now because you're hopping. Every, every single day you feel like, why it's so hard? You're hopping. Why it's so difficult? It just happened. But we were intended to soar. We were intended to fly. What would happen? One of the reasons why. One of the reasons why eagles need to fly. Because they had to survive storms. What would happen is that the eagles are so good. I mean, God, man. He knows what he's doing. Eagles, learn, eagles know that a storm is going to happen before the storm even breaks. So what happens, the eagles will, 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 flow, will step out of their nest because they understand if they, if they stay on that tree during that storm, then they can lose their life. They can't, they can't fly against the wind. So what happens is that they, 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 get, they get out of their nest and they go low and they open up their wings. They're not flapping. They're opening up their wings. And they're waiting for the gust of the wind to lift them up. So the gust of this horrible storm will thrust them up high in the atmosphere where now they are resting in peace above the storm. But if the, if the mama didn't mature it past the nest, it will perish. It, it had to learn how to fly in order to survive, in order to thrive. But it, it, So it, it had to learn how to fight through the storm and all it had to do was open its wings and find rest. I believe that God has been stirring your nest some of you have been literally, you've just been your, you literally had this conversation this week with someone like, man, you, you had this prayer, God, why this? Why? Why this? Why my life? Why me? Why my job? Why my family? Why my health? You've been, you've been telling God why, why, asking him why, 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 why? And I don't know all the answers, and I don't know the, the, the detail to your situation, but one thing I have for certain is this, that he's with you. 
that he sees you. And that you still are the apple of his eye. All he's waiting. All he's waiting for you to, to exercise Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It's so important for the Lord to stir your nest. Because one day you're going to look back on your life. And instead of saying, God, why me? You're going to look back and say, okay, God, that's why. Oh, you can say it right now in your life. In a moment where you felt like everyone was left, you the relationship that didn't work out. You said, God, why me? You look back, say, okay, God, that's why. The, the job that didn't work out, you were saying you were angry at God because your heart was invested in it. You said, God, why me? But now you got a better job with better pay, with better benefits, with better hours. You say, okay, God, that's why. I believe we got to come with the reality in our life that's saying, God, you have everything under control yeah I'm talking to some real people today not your perfect uh, image you're trying to create but I'm talking the reality in your life are you going through some desert times is God stirring your nest think about Moses who went through tragedy being of his life was crazy he went to a place in his life and, and all of a sudden uh, he, he, things happened. He ran away from Egypt and God commissioned him at a burning bush. And he said, well, uh, I can't go because I don't speak well. I'm, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't speak eloquently. Some people think he had a stutter or a slur. So well, they don't, I don't have any power. He couldn't staff in his hands. So with this, you perform miraculous signs. Things happened. Ten plagues. Moses solved his life. He saw the water turn the blood. He saw the frogs. He saw the locusts. He saw the boils. He saw the death of the firstborn. He witnessed the hand of God. And the duration of the season in his life, God is maturing him. Well, he used to say, God, why me? I can't do this, God. I'm not mature. I'm not able. But the Lord is not the author of your pain. He published it for his glory. And you can look the duration of Moses' life. When he came into his life and he saw the Red Sea in front of him. The Pharaoh behind him. When the Israelites were going crazy, wanted to go back into slavery, wanted to go back into Egypt, he turned around and said, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. How did he have this understanding? How did he have this revelation? Because God stirred his nest. Life matured him to gain a perspective that if he did not have at that moment, Israelites would still be in captivity. Joseph, man, what crazy story. Young boy had a dream, told his family. Family thought he was buck wild crazy. I ain't fitting about you. And then next thing you know, they got upset. They got up angry. They got angry and he threw him into a pit. Put him into slavery. That, if that was enough, Joseph could have had his own pity party. Oh, why is me, oh Lord? Why are you doing this to me? And next thing, he got up out of jail. He, and, he, and, and then he got accused from Potiphar's wife, the trifling lady. Thrown back in the jail. People in that jail, he was serving, he was doing things. People said, I remember you. And they never, and they, and they forgot about him. But it came a duration of a time in, in Joseph's life. Where he was the vice president of Egypt, second to Pharaoh. Famine hit the land. But because of his, because of his position, he could not do this by his father's side. 
I'm not saying that God made it happen. No, I'm saying that God worked it out. When his own family was right there at his face, he had this revelation in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God allowed it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God stirred his nest. He stirred his nest. These are moments where we're running away from that God is trying to use to mature us. If we don't learn from it, we will continue the same pattern of behavior. Some of you have been saying, God, where are you? He's saying, I'm soaring above you. I'm there. The Bible says in the book of Jude, it says he'll catch you while I'm falling. Psalms 1, Psalm 91 says he, he, will, he will catch you before your feet hits the stone. He's hovering above you. You may think he's not there. Just look up. He'll catch you while you're falling. He's right there with you. I'm wondering, is anybody in this life today, anybody in this place, I can tell you from personal experience, my wife has been sick for the past three months. It's been hard. Oh, it's been hard. Watching her go through this mess. Spending all these thousands and thousands of dollars in the hospitals and stepping down from the road and our finances going crazy. Like, God, where are you? I remember, no. You're stirring my nest. What is God going to, what the Bible says in the book of Romans, it says, I reckon the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I'm not, let's, I don't got a deep sermon for you. I'm not exegete. I'm not, I'm not teaching any Greek and Hebrew. I just got a, I just got a simple message for you today. I flew from Florida to here just for you with a simple message that he don't give up. He's right there. He's stirring your nest. Maybe if you've been walking, some of you argued in the car on the way to church. You're like, God, you're over here supposed to be worshiping and we're, I can't even worship because I'm thinking about what she said and what he said. You're like, God, what are you, what's going on in my family? He's like, hey, will you let me in? I'm going to stir your nest. I'm going to mature you past this. This mess is going on. I'm going to work it out. But will you just trust me along the way? I got you. I got your daughter. I got your son. I got your husband. I got your wife. Will you trust me? Can you stand to your feet with me this morning? Listen. I just want you to, I want you to know that he's there. Your why is me is going to be a, oh God, that's why, very soon. Maybe there's some of you, I, oh my, if I wasn't preaching, I'll be right here. Not going to front. Those who preach, sometimes God will challenge you to preach and what you're going through. Well, I asked for, whew, my wife was trying to buy a house and like, then this happens? Like, really? I'm looking back at it now and say, okay, God, I'm not saying why me. Look back at a month from now. Okay, God, that's why. But you know what? It's easier said than done, though. <laughs> Always easier said than done. It may be easy for your neighbor, boo, but it's on your neighbor. It's hard. I know you're, I know you, some, you, you, you've been in moments, you feel like you're faking a smile. You're stamping a smile where there needs to be a frown. You're in the house of God. You want to look like heaven, but you're afraid to be real about what is going on. This is the reality. You're not the only one going through things. 
You're not the only one holding back tears. But what I love about this church and the leadership of this church, this is a safe place to heal. This is a safe place to be real. This is not a monument of perfect people. This is a hospital where people are being restored and set free and changed. And I'm believing that this is your moment. Oh, come on, somebody. This is your moment. It's time to fly. It's time to soar. It's time to fly. I remember my brother got shot. And I remember that my mom, I got long story. I'm gonna, I got, I'm gonna get to these altar. My brother got shot and he lived, moved to a different place. And I remember all this, all this stuff was going on. My parents were sleeping in separate rooms and all this stuff was going on. And I remember being dead asleep when my mom wake up three o'clock in the morning. Pace the living room. No food, no food in the house. Doesn't know what she's on to do. Violence in our family, in our home, in our community. I remember hearing her while I was asleep, pacing back and forth, praying and praying to Jesus, speaking in the tongue. And she will pray, God, I thank you that my children are yours. God, I thank you that my children are yours. Devil, you can have my children. You can have my sons. You can have my daughters. She was praying this while nothing seemed like it was going right. She was praying prayers like this even before she saw anything. Now this brother that was shot has his master's degree in psychology and it's a therapist right now pastoring in churches listen yeah now god is using his story it may be a right now god why me but one day it's gonna be okay god that's why but i just need you to have some strength to hold on to have some confidence to hold on because he is with you right now so let me tell you the great physician is in the house i'm not the great physician (laughs) i'm just a nurse I'm a nurse. I from, came, from, came from Florida to be a nurse. And I have a clipboard for you. Just so you go to the doctor's office, the doctor will give you a clipboard and you say, hey, I need you to fill this clipboard out. And the clipboard will say, what are your symptoms? What is going on? How, what is going, what's your family history? And you have to be honest. Because then the doctor will ask you, hey, why are you seeing me, why are you seeing me today? Well, this is what's going on in my life. And the doctor will see you and prescribe you a med- medication that's going to meet your need. But if you're not honest about what you're on their clipboard, if you're not honest about what is going on, you will accuse the physician of malpractice. But the reality about it, you you falsify your symptoms. Why do we come to church knowing that God's a great physician and, and ignore his practice? Today, I'm a nurse family. And the doctor's ready to see you. Family, as he has a group of people who's able already, he wants to lay you down to the operating table of his word. Take the scalpel of his word and operate on you. He has a great anesthesiologist called the Holy Spirit that prepares you for operation. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.